Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. I'm Andrew Cox, research analyst here at FreightWaves. I'm here for Great Quarter Guys episode 45. I have been giving you a bit of a number from a sports player of that day. I'm going to do the reversal today. I'm going to shout out number 54, Max Fried, who started for my Braves last night. He pitched a beautiful five and five and two-thirds innings. Braves got the dub against the Dodgers. So I had a great day. I'm in a great mood. Kevin, how you doing? You are. You definitely are. And, and our last episode was last Thursday during the conference, That's so right. we didn't really do a, a number, but it was 44, another great Brave. Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron. Aaron Hank. Henry. 44. So... We got to catch up on that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get a, we'll get back on the number system sometime uh, next week. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about what we're going to do next week at the end here. But let's let's hop in. We got a fun show. We're going to talk a little bit about Dillard's. Uh, we heard news that Ted Weschler, who is a money manager, kind of a protege of uh, Warren Buffett, he had bought forty-five million dollars worth of Dillard's stock in his own personal account, which to me seems outlandish. But we're going to talk about whether there's read-throughs to the overall market or not. Then we're going to talk some more SPACs because. You know, there's always something to talk about the SPACs. There's eight more clean energy SPACs that are supposed to uh, close before the end of the year. Then we will uh, get into uh, how there's another space company that's going to do a SPAC. This one, a Momentus. Uh, I'm actually going to try to get somebody from Momentus to to come on or sh- come on uh, Space Waves back in at the end of December when we have mm-hmm. our conference that's going to be focused solely on the logistics of space. Momentus is a last mile delivery company in space. So really cool. We'll talk about, uh, we'll talk about that when is we get there. Is there a middle mile or a first mile? Uh, I guess SpaceX would probably be first mile. Uh, so. But uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're actually partnering with SpaceX, but we'll get, into, we'll get into all that after we do our ode to highly questionable see or no this is called you care or nah how this goes again i will give you an idea i'll show you something i will give you an event and you'll tell me whether you care or nah and why the first one let's show the tweet i saw this tweet last night i got super excited uh this is from hindenburg the short seller i saw this tweet and thought maybe it's another transportation company maybe it's workhorse there's a lot of people that were kind of speculating on that because that stock has done so well over the past few months it turns out it is just uh, it is Loop Industries, who I actually don't know much about, so I can't I can't get too excited about it. I, I, w- I did care a lot yesterday because I was hoping it would be somebody we know. Mm-hmm. Loop Industries is a uh, is a plastics recycling company who has no proprietary technology, is pre revenue, and has partnerships with massive companies like Coca Cola and Pepsi and Walmart. Does that ring a bell? Does that sound familiar to you, Kevin? It, it does. It, it sounds like the, the last report that they did with a, a company that had no revenues and a lot of partnerships with big names and a lot of promises, but no proprietary technology. Yeah. I, think, uh, that would, that? Uh, I think that was Nikola. I, I think it yeah. was. I, I think it was. And, you know, I don't understand the, 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 the wealth in plastic recycling. Because I know I, in, I was a freight broker at one point. And I, I handled some of those goods. Right, uh, the, the raw plastic coming back in and the plastic coming out, and plastic's very light, and transportation costs moves very cheap because mm-hmm. it's a large part of that. But I know the margins aren't really all that great for legacy leg, legacy technologies, so I don't know how how much you're really going to approve why it's such a darling. But it is pre revenue, no technology, a lot of partnerships that go nowhere. So uh, I think that's the biggest thing, right? It, it's ripe for innovation. We haven't heard, <clears throat> we haven't seen any companies really go out and do anything different in recycling. We haven't seen any, you know, the, the, we see all these story stocks with these SPACs and with, with, with IPOs or even, uh, you know, just story stocks in general. And this one is another story stock. It's something that, it, that somebody that partnered with Pepsi and Coca-Cola and people say, oh, this, this company is re- revolutionizing the way that plastic is recycled. But it turns out they did a bunch of interviews with uh, ex-employees and, and people that had, that had worked at the company before. And it turns out they really don't have much tech at all. 
And that's something you, you find out sometimes, and they don't really have any cool graphics to show, right? They can't draw a badger, yeah. Yeah. right? Or, or a cool truck or a vehicle or, or say we're going to change the world in the energy realm, which is a great story. We're going to recycle plastic bottles better. Uh, doesn't really – I wouldn't buy a movie ticket for that. No, no, you wouldn't. Let's see. Let's let's move on to something that I would buy a ticket to. This is a Red Ball Acquisi- Acquisition Corp. Uh, this is Billy Bean's company. Mm-hmm. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Billy Bean is, of course, the mastermind that kind of brought analytics and data into American sports, the guy behind Moneyball. Uh, so he created a SPAC called Red Ball Acquisition Corp, where he is the kind of co-chair here. And they are now in talks to take Finway Sports Group, who is head by John Henry, which I, you'll get into a little bit about their relationship. The talks is to take Fenway Sports Group uh, public. That company owns both the Boston Red Sox and the Liverpool Football Club. Kevin, you care or no? I do. I I do care just because I'm a huge Moneyball fan, huge Mm. baseball fan, huge Moneyball, Billy Bean. Uh, It seems like what he does gets my attention and well as it should. You know, he's he's really changed not only baseball, but all of sports Mm -hmm. and and business as well. You know, going after he's he's a value investor. And then that's what Moneyball is. It's value investing. We'll get it to it uh, with, um, with, with Dillard's here a little bit later in the show about value investing. But that's, you know, you take what's undervalued in the market and you try to build something around that. And that's exactly what he did. And so I, I'm, I, I really do care. Yeah, I love, <clears throat> I do care as well. I love Billy Bean, but I also love John Henry. He is the mm-hmm. the owner of the Red Sox, owner of Liverpool Football Club. He bought that Liverpool team in 2010, and they it was a mess. He ended up getting it, and it was through a, a very difficult court battle, but they ended up winning the, the Premier League last year. Uh, so, you know, he's turned that program around, and... Billy Bean, he's gotten into soccer big time recently, too. He's gotten mm-hmm. minority stakes in a Dutch football club and as well as a second-tier Premier League uh, team. So he wants to get into soccer. John Henry has been courting this guy for 20 years. Uh, he once offered him $12.5 million to be the GM of the Red Sox after the Moneyball days. He turned that down. But it seems that Billy Bean, if this deal ends up going through, that Billy Bean's going to step away from baseball because if he owned, if he was a, if he owned even a minority stake in the Red Sox, it would be a, confl- a conflicting interest, and mm-hmm. uh, the MLB would not let him own two teams at once. So because he does own a minority stake in the in the Athletics as well, so it looks like he's going to step away from baseball and really try to go after something even bigger and make this sports conglomerate own football clubs and baseball teams and arenas. All of that, I'm super excited for. I am too. I, 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 I'm super excited about it too. It'll be an interesting story. And of course, it's a SPAC. Yeah. yeah of course, it Can't has to be a SPAC. Them. If it's 2020, it has to be a SPAC. Mm, if right. someone's going to buy anything, it, it seems, or, or go public. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. I'll keep uh, a lot of tabs on, on the progress of that. And hopefully... For our sake, I suppose. I hope it goes through. Yeah, it'll give us something to talk about. I'll definitely be keeping up with it. Let's move on to the next one. This is our first talk of space today. Uh, We'll get into Momentus here in a little bit. But this one is on SpaceX. It has been announced that SpaceX has, uh, has got a deal going with the Department of Defense. This is, you know, we talked last week about boom technologies and the supersonic jets that's going to mm-hmm. speed up travel of humans. This is something that Elon has talked about for a long time, that they, they want to use the Starship, the ship that will eventually take us to the moon and to Mars. They want to use it for Earth-to-Earth travel. It seems this is the first time they're going to do that. They're not going to uh, be traveling with humans this time. They have done a deal with the Department of Defense to uh, carry you know, uh, carry guns and ammos and things from from here to Afghanistan. That's about a 7,500-mile trip. He says they can do it in an hour. You care or no? I I don't really care too much uh, about it until there's more progress with it. 
I mean, why, why couldn't you put it on a missile? Well, I guess it, it this, would is, land, this, right? is, this is technically a missile. It just yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah, this missile it lands yeah. upright. So I, I think it'd be cool if, if they can actually do it. If they can't, uh, then they can't. But I, I can't get really too excited about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be a while. They think that they'll start testing sometime at the end of 2021. They're still doing Starship uh, hops, as, as they call them. We showed one on the show a few weeks ago. Uh, those are only getting bigger and better. I think the next one's going to go up to a couple miles and, and float there for a little bit. So we got a lot of milestones to hit before mm-hmm. we do that. Uh, but the idea of taking the equivalent of a C-17 payload and going anywhere in the world in less than an hour... It's pretty. It's pretty exciting. It is cool. It's exciting. It is cool. I, I like the. What is it? Sky boom that we talked about. Yeah, last week? boom technology. Like boom, the, the, boom technologies. Yeah. I, I like that better. I, it's it's more Concord. It's 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 technology that has been around for for years. Mm-hmm. I mean, for for fifty sixty years and and taking where the Concord left off and and doing some really cool three hour trips from New York to London. Yeah, I mean, it probably won't make sense for me to get on one of those anytime soon because I'm not, you know, I think it makes sense for the business travelers that go once a week and they they have to cut down their time. Uh, you know, for me, I don't mind getting on a plane for eight hours. I actually kind of enjoy it. I love watching movies and and I sleep like a like a train anyway. Really? But yeah, let's move okay. let's move on to something I watch while I'm on the movies and that's the movie theater. Well, I'm watching while I'm on the jet, excuse me, and that is the movie theaters. Uh, I just read today that movie theater chain AMC Entertainment, the largest in the country, says that it will run out of cash before the end of the year if they aren't able to raise additional funds or are able to bring moviegoers back before the end of the year. Kevin, you care or not? I, I do care. I, I like going to movies. Uh, some of my favorite memories are going to the movies. I, I like to go to movies now. I haven't been in, in a long time because of the, the outbreak and everything. I, I will say I, I don't care if they go bankrupt or not. I mean, a movie theater is a movie theater. The real estate's there, still there. The infrastructure's still there. They're going to restructure debt, which would be a, a very good thing. Better thing is restructuring how movies are distributed from from Hollywood into the theaters and then on to, on to uh, or I guess online now, not mm-hmm. even DVDs. No, you know. No, Did I you ever go that. and rent a VHS? Of course, yeah. Of tape? course, of course. I remember. I remember going to Blockbuster. Uh, I, I remember the, the the birth of Redbox as well when those mm-hmm. Redboxes started showing up at Walgreens and then at McDonald's. So I remember those days uh, definitely. Yeah, so, so so all of that needs to be be restructured, kind of like the movie or the the music industry has done over mm-hmm. the last twenty years. It seems yeah. I don't know if they ever get it right. I don't know if the Hollywood will ever get it right, but it needs to be restructured. So I do care about it. How about you? Yeah. Um I'm, I think I do care. I, I want to say that I agree with you that they need to restructure the way that movies are distributed. That's part of the reason that we heard the rumors of Amazon thinking about buying AMC mm-hmm. a, couple, a couple months ago, finding some sort of synergy there where they could put out their movies uh, you know, at the theaters. But yeah, they, got a, they have a major issue in that it, it call, it's expensive to go to the movies, and then all of the accessories are expensive to, once you get there, buying your popcorn and your drinks and everything else. It's expensive for a consumer to go. Uh, that's why, I mean, we talk about the $30 direct-to-consumer movies that they're releasing on, on Disney+, Plus, and, and Dooner and his family are, they think that that's a good deal. You know, mm-hmm. for me, 30 bucks is crazy. I, would, I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine playing it to sit there and watch a movie, but if you've got four kids and you can buy the popcorn at the store, then you can really make that a good deal. Uh, and I do want to disagree with someone here. Craig... Um, if you're watching, you, you you said that this was the 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 acceleration of something that should already die, and it's time for movies to die. I would I disagree with that, because if that were the case, I don't think then I don't think that the drive-in theaters would have really popped up again as they have over the summer. People have been very excited to go back to the drive-ins. That was a dying art form uh, over the last few years, but those have, those are coming back because people like going to the movies. I think they like the communal aspect of a big screen and and good sound. 
Uh, so, yeah, whether they go bankrupt or not, I don't really care. But I really hope that this isn't the end of movie theaters. I, I do. do. I, th- I don't think it will. I, I think everyone likes, or not everyone, but there's enough of us that, that like that experience so that, that it will go on. Dis- distribution needs to change. I think uh, if you're a production company right now in, in Hollywood and you're, you're wrapping a film, why, why do you have to go through the normal distribution channel? You can go straight, straight to home through Amazon and, and, or, or Netflix or, or whatever else mm-hmm. and be as successful as going through the movie theaters right now. So once that changes, though, I, I think there's uh, it's creative destruction. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what we're looking at. Yep. We're looking at creative destruction, innovation, disruption. It's all about, it all goes back into creative destruction. So uh, the, the movie business will change, distribution will change, and that'll be a good thing for, for consumers and the two of us who like to go see the movies. I can't wait to go back to the movies. Uh, you know, we got we have the, the five dollar refill bucket. You know, and I went just to the movies to try to fill it up. We we bought it back in January, and the movies weren't even open. It was like a Thursday, last Thursday at five p.m. I thought the movie theater was going to be open. I guess our movie theater is one of the hundred and forty that they haven't reopened yet here downtown in Chattanooga. So that's a shame. Uh, AMC, I want it. I want it back open. Well, you, no, I want popcorn. Yeah, it's, it's they got great popcorn. All right, let's jump to Dillard's because their stock jumped thirty percent uh, in a day yesterday. It's pretty easy to find out why. It was kind of two two news stories that came out. The first one is, like I said earlier, that Ted Weschler, the investment manager, the, the money manager is his title, I think, at Berkshire Hathaway. He had scooped up nearly a 6% interest in the company that is makes him the fifth largest shareholder. This is, again, in his personal account. This is not Berkshire Hathaway investing. Um, but the, the stock soared there. And they also got an, uh, an upgrade from from sell to, to neutral rating from somewhere I, from Wedbush actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason why that they've, why that the, he wants to buy this, he thinks that they've been very disciplined in their pricing and in their discounting over the past few months, they have been more reliant on brick and mortar. They actually have a very small online presence, which of course we see as a very weak point because COVID-19 has made everybody buy more stuff online. Uh, but he sees it as, as kind of an, a, uh, a benefit to them because they have less fulfillment costs. They don't have to work so much with reverse logistics as, uh, as Mike was saying earlier, you know it's like four times as many st- four times as many goods get returned if they're bought online as if they're bought in store. So those type of things they get excited. You have another angle at it, which is the uh, the real estate value. Uh, so let's just let's just talk. W- you know, are there read throughs to the retail economy here, or do you think this is kind of a one off value play in which the, in, to, in, in which Weschler saw value uh, in this company? I, I think it's a one off play. I, I think it's all about uh, dealers owning their own real estate, and I think and I, I don't know where it is. Exactly here, but I, th- I think 250 out of 280 stores, so some outrageous number, Dillard's owns, and it's it's really assessing the value of that right now. They're, they're trading below book, what's reported. So, so your property, you know, your property assets are, are reported on book, but that so that's not the fair market value of those. Mm-hmm. So, I, well, I do know about value investors, and you know, I've worked for a research firm that. Uh, some of the famous value investors uh, go to, to to do deep dives into uh, different sentiment, talking to, to ex, ex-executives, things like that. Uh, what they do is they go out and build their own portfolio of real estate assets. They get a very good bearing on what that number is. And, and based on that, they they have a value of the stock. And is trading under book value, probably trading under fair market value of that real estate uh, right now. And I think it's it's just a deep value play. 
Yeah, I agree. I was talking to Seth about this. Oh, by the way, we wish you well, Seth. We miss you. He's on vacay right now. I think he'll be back with us next week. But I was speaking to him about this, if he thought there were any read-throughs to the market, because you know, he's my he's my go-to for, for consumer and retail things. And he said he really couldn't think of any. He just thought this was a beat-up stock, a beat-up company uh, that, again, looking at some sort of fair market value on the on the real estate. Uh, we just read uh, from somewhere that their square foot, their dollar per square foot value is something like 27 and where you can buy Simon Property Group or some of the other mall people in upwards of 40. So you can see that there's some arbitrage availability for them there. But I just don't see much of a read through because this, t- this company is, is, is uh, I-, I thought was kind of a dying company. I think another thing to read, read through here is the dichotomy of the e- economy right now. You have the have-nots and the haves are, are getting wider. Uh, unfortunately, the the, the people with the least income have the ones that have been losing their jobs during this pandemic, uh, and, and they're the ones not benefiting from this. And so Dillard's is a kind of a higher-end thing. So they, they might, there might be a play there that they're doing okay because it, they sell a little bit higher-end stuff, uh, whereas some of the players that sell lower, low, to the lower-income families are not doing as well. Yeah, and, and they're kind of middle of the road. So they're, they're higher for middle-income. You know, they're not luxury by, by any means, right. but they, they, they have that though there's premium brands in the store, one of the, the, the downsides to this is the management team. So Dillard's, they don't have an online presence. They, uh, they're certainly not trailblazers in, in mm-hmm. innovation, right? <laughs> and, and it's family-owned, which is sometimes good, sometimes really bad. Uh, the three brothers or the three sons of the founder uh, of Dillard's have a controlling, and other directors in the family, have a controlling uh, voting share in that stock. So... Uh, you're kind of handcuffed to what they're going to do in the future. So that might not be a, a huge e-commerce platform. It not, might not be a lot of innovation. You might sit there and just wait on the real estate to appreciate. It's like that. This is a classic, even though it's not Berkshire themselves, this is just a classic Berkshire move, right? We were talking earlier how if you look at Berkshire's holdings, it's gotten, because of the growth of Apple, it's become un-Berkshire-like. They've got about one-third cash, one-third Apple, one-third everything else. Uh, and that's just not something you expect to, from, from Berkshire. But this type of move, deep value play on a, com- on a company that I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole, that's right down Berkshire Hathaway alley. It, it is, and it's, only, it's, it's one of those investments that only someone could do in their personal account. Right, because there's so much cash that, that if Berkshire invested fifty million dollars in something, it it wouldn't mean it's a rounding error. No, it would. Yeah, it wouldn't do anything. They own. They got like a hundred and eighty billion in cash yeah. right now, or something. One hundred and twenty billion, something ridiculous. I know. Uh, okay. So let's get on to the SPAC. The bonanza continues. We The news here is that at least nine clean energy companies, most of which have little to absolutely no revenue, are planning to go public between now and the end of the year via special purpose acquisition companies or blank check companies, similar to what uh, Hylion is going through the process of doing right now, as did Nikola. So we've, to- we've spoken about SPACs ad nauseum here, uh, but they just keep making news. Last one was Hylion, who is as a crowd favorite here, a crowd favorite here at Freight Waves. They make electric propulsion systems. I'm going to give you a little bit of info on the other. Uh, I've got seven of the eight here. There are two companies that make sensors for autonomous vehicles, and then there are four electric vehicle companies, and then one large-scale battery company. Of these companies, only one has meaningful commercial revenue, and that is uh, Velodyne. They had about 100, 100 million over the last 12 months that ended June 2020. Five of them had no revenue at all, and Hylion had just 1 million or so this year. Uh, Hylion does expect that number to grow to 2 billion in 2024. Here's the kicker the average clean energy SPAC is, has an anticipated enterprise value of $1.8 billion. Kevin, 
What do you think, man? Are these are these companies disclosing enough information? Are investors getting taken advantage of? What, what, what do you make of the market of these SPACs right now? I don't know if it's either one of those. It looks frothy. That, <laughs> For the company, I mean, it's very frothy, and, and this is where you know when, when everyone's rushing into a financial asset, that this is what you find. And I don't know enough about really any of these companies. I, I know highly in a little bit, um, but but once you get a mad rush of pre-revenue companies going public, bad things are going to happen at some point, right? I mean, it just it's inevitable. It is going to happen. I mean, do you think there's a reckoning coming of some sort? Is it going to be oh, yeah. a big event or is it just going to be they kind of slowly taper away? Because the 2020 has been a major outlier. It's been like something like two and a half times as many SPACs uh, today, 133 so far this year compared to 60 last year. They've raised more than three times the money this year. Is this going to be a one-off year and we, we just see it immediately taper off? Or what do you, no, no, what do you no. Think? They're going to go to the limit. They, they always <laughs> they do. Always do. Any, <laughs> any financial innovation goes to the limit. It goes well past the limit. And there you go. I mean, it's it's it'll probably end up with a maybe a, a WeWork type of moment, um, which I don't think Nikola was. I think Nikola no, was just I, that, in I don't front of to discuss, I wanted to discuss that. Yeah, uh, I, as I well. Because but, but you're going to get, and I don't think WeWork either, right? I mean, WeWork wasn't a fraud. WeWork told you exactly what they they weren't doing, uh, but but no one paid attention, right? Um, you, you knew the holes in the business model. Yes, so they're very upfront about it. They, they tried to, to, to paint it as a positive, but it, but it wasn't. But you are going to see at some point, I don't know when, but, but you know, all these companies rushing in, you are going to find uh, complete and utter frauds at some point. It just happens every cycle. And I guess I framed that the wrong way because the more I think about it, Unless it is a complete fraud, then investors aren't getting taken advantage of. This is no. the beauty of the, the, the stock market, right? Yeah. Is that investors can buy, especially now with Robinhood and, and free trading, you can just buy whatever you want. You can. If I, I walked up and said, uh, we're pre-revenue, but I, I think our market value is worth $1.8 billion, and you buy some of my stock, uh, what have I... You haven't done anything I mean, to me. That this, no. I'm telling you up front. And that's the thing, you know, I, I guess the, the thing that the SEC is looking into right now, they are discussing if that they're if the companies are disclosing enough about the 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 investor, um, the investor pay scales, how, how the investors, how the people that raise the money for the SPACs are actually making the money uh, and how much the, the, the founders of the company make from these SPACs. And I think that is that's interesting um, because that's something we don't always know. We know. I mean, we've talked about this, like Chamath Palihapitiya, the guy from Social Capital, who, who's going to do dozens of these SPACs. I mean, he writes the check. And he immediately, within a couple of weeks, makes a couple hundred million, a couple hundred million dollars. And I think I read somewhere Thomas Healy, uh, the, the CEO of uh, Helion, is um, he's locked in for for quite a while. So and that that's good. But I think there should be more disclosures about how everyone's going to exit and get paid off of it. Because uh, if you don't know by now, it's a good way to cash out. Yeah, you know, uh, it's, it's better than IPOing if you're pre-revenue, right? Yeah, I agree, and and that's what I was going to so. get into in our next segment, uh, which was just we're going to keep the SPAC train rolling here, and that's that news on Momentus, and you know, the really question here is is is, is I think space may be the best use case uh, or one of the best use cases for SPACs. It's a company that is basically solely based on what kind of innovation and, and research and development it can have. It needs to raise a lot of money really quickly. Uh, their pre-revenue, their stories, it, it, it makes more sense for a capital-intensive business than it does a, a technology stock for me. I, I, I don't know if I agree with you because it's, it's a bigger bet. It's a bigger long shot. You know, We are going to do the, the final mile 
for outer space. Oh, yeah, it's I a great even, story. I didn't it, even explain it, how that how that works. If if anybody wants to yeah, yeah, care, do, so their 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 business is called the Vigo Ride. So this is basically a imagine a mini little uh, like like a drone almost a drone for space that attaches to satellites and it travels up with the SpaceX rocket. It gets to a certain point. It breaks off with its three or four satellites and it pushes these satellites into the orbit where it needs to go. And then this thing either returns back to the spaceship or returns back to Earth. Uh, but it basically uses a very basic engine and uh, and just pushes, it, it literally just pushes uh, satellites into orbit, which is interesting. I have no idea what the market share or what the market value of that is, but it's, it's going to make its first launch with SpaceX uh, later this fall. It's scheduled to go on the Falcon 9 up, and it's going to help deliver, I don't know, 60-something satellites. So the first risk is that SpaceX actually works. Because if SpaceX doesn't doesn't work, or if they don't hit their benchmarks, then correct, you're definitely rely, is, you're relying on a momentous is 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 out holding the bag, right? Uh, it, you know, that's a very complicated thing. I mean, it's going to take years of development, maybe mm -hmm. a decade of development. So, uh, shouldn't that be more in tune to the private markets? Uh, you know, that's a very risky scenario. No, whether they, they do or not. I mean, I don't know. I don't know too much. Of course, I'm, I'm not a rocket scientist. If yeah, I was going to ask so. you why you why you didn't think of last mile in space when you started carrierless. Why you didn't think that was the, the best realm for you? Well, you know, it's, it's you have to start small. Right? <laughs> right. You start small and, and you, you work your way up. So so last last mile in space, I don't even know what that means. There's only like, yeah. you know, there's, there's just the, the there's only the, like three companies that even launch anything to space. Two of them are owned by a state governments in the Russian and Chinese-owned uh, governments, and, the space, and then there's SpaceX. That's pretty much it so is, right now. So do, do people in the space station, do they need Doritos? Or, or don't, don't they already have <laughs> they're, that? They're, they're they're just, no, no they, don't, they don't deliver rockets. anything but satellites. That's the only thing that they're, their last mile is from rocket to orbit point. So that you can make, so that it would be easier for the rocket on its way to the moon. I assume that the that the the satellites can just pop off, and then this Vigo ride can put them in the right orbit and then return back to Earth. So, so this, the the strange thing about about all of that and the riskiness of it is that all of this actually has to happen, even if you get everything right with in your rocket science, everything else has to be there. All that infrastructure has to be there for it to happen. So I, I that's the reason why I don't really think is a, a great great thing for public investors. Right? I guess that's why it's valued I mean, at $1.2 and they don't have any revenue. $1.2 <laughs> So you're going to have an equity analyst asking you tough questions every quarter as you report your numbers uh, about, yeah. you know, what are you going to do with the next three months? Yeah, no doubt. I, I mean, it's going to be tough. I, 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 I only bring, the, bring these things to talk about because I find them fun and interesting. I don't have they all the are. answers. I'm no, I'm no last mile space expert. Uh, I have no Maybe idea. Not. But uh, one, one thing I am trying Maybe to become day. an expert in is, is Walmart. That's what we have yes. next. This is our last topic of the day. This, uh, the news here is that analyst Oliver Chen from Conan Company, that he believes that Walmart is in the early stages of building their ad prowess. He believes that Walmart might soon be profiting from selling more than just goods he also says that, long, that Walmart has a long-term opportunity to develop a leading advertising platform. So Walmart has recently brought its media group in-house. It has also been rolling out tools to provide better insights and analytics for advertisers. And, I mean, I like the move. Margins are great on advertising. Uh, the guy from Cohen thinks that that's, they can get up to 30% or so margins on this. This is the e-commerce business that is growing 100% uh, year over year in Q2, but the margins are not very good. They got compressing margins from reverse logistics and, and, and overall fulfillment costs, things that we've talked about. I think this is a great way to subsidize and juice uh, the e-commerce margins. What do you think? I love it. 
I, I do. I, I love it. We, we talk about it almost every week, it seems like, is that Walmart, Walmart is always is making noise. They are. They're, they're always making noise. They're turning into a tech company. It's going to raise their multiple, even without, I, and I, I like moves like that, because even if they don't increase their sales, they're just going to increase their multiple with all these moves. You know, partnering with Shopify, you know, uh, the, 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 the final mile company or the delivery company mm-hmm. in India. Uh, you know, uh, this yeah, move flip, right here. Flipkart, all the drone deals, all of the autonomous yeah, vehicle yeah. deals, all the electric ve- uh, vehicle deals. You know, they're, they're really spreading. They're like a VC right now. They're spreading a lot mm-hmm. of bets out, uh, and they are hoping for the best. And, and you know, I think it's a good thing. I've, they've worked with so many different companies in, in autonomous vehicles. I know they've got to deal with Too Simple, and they're now the leader. You know, getting, getting some of these deals with the big companies is really important for these young freight tech companies to, to get their growth. Uh, so I love it. This one obviously isn't freight tech, but here's just some context here. He thinks that they can grow to $3.4 billion, uh, by 2023. That would be just over 5% of its e-commerce business. And for context, Amazon does about $14 billion in uh, ad revenue, so they could get to the quarterly uh, the quarterly segment for Amazon by 2023 for an annualized thing. So it'll it'll take some time. They're obviously not going to be Amazon tomorrow, uh, but I love what they're doing. I do too. I I do too. All right. I got some shout outs next week. uh, Seth's back. We're going to talk earnings. We got a bunch of uh, of carriers and brokers giving earnings this week. And then also everybody go to the FreightWaves TV app and download it. You can get all of our content there. If you want to get the podcast, you just want the audio. That's cool too. Head to wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, all of them. We're on there. Uh, Just search Great Quarter Guys or even better, you can look up FreightCast and you can get all of the FreightWaves audio content there. I, uh, that's all I've got today. I hope you, all you gangsters out there, have a fantastic week. And go Braves, everyone. Go Braves. See you guys. I need a-